Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from Northeast Pennsylvania, it's the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast with Nick Hart, the best place to break the ice with your favorite players. Today's guest, Penguins assistant coach, Sheldon Brookbank. Celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay. Plus all new Penn's picks, semantics, and a question from the previous episode's guest. So let's get to it. Without further ado, slide to the left, slide to the right, crisscross, everybody clap your hands for Nick Hart! Yes! All right! Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, thank you, all right. Okay, thank you everybody for coming out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. Yes, thank you. I am your host, Nick Hart, and we have another tremendous show lined up for you good people out there, starting with our first guest. We have shuffled past the Penguins locker room to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins coach's office to get assistant coach Sheldon Brookbank on the pod. A man with tons of experience coaching and playing alike. It's going to be great to sit down and talk here with Brookie. Also, our second guest today, a man who's very experienced in the kitchen, dare I say, Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> it's Gordon Ramsay. I don't know what uh, Mr. Ramsey has planned here, but I hope he doesn't critique my hosting abilities too much here like he critiques ruthlessly those chefs, fry cooks, bartenders on his many countless television programs both here and across the pond but that is our lineup for this episode of the pens podcast so as bobby day likes to say at the beginning of all of these episodes let's get to it and our first guest is already sitting here with me on this episode of the penguins podcast penguins assistant coach sheldon brookbank brookie Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to join us here on the Pens Podcast. I'm sure you've been meticulously combing through game film and talking to players, getting ready for a busy 3-3 three and three weekend here. So, really, we really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I was able to uh, step aside. You know, I always got my head down on my computer cutting that video. So Cutting that video. Slicing it break. up. Yeah. <laughs> slicing it up like yeah. a ninja. Well, it is a, a rite of passage, as fans know, and I was explaining to you before we started recording that Assistant coaches make an appearance here on the Penguins podcast. It was Kevin Porter before you, and this goes back even when J.D. was still an assistant here. I don't think we've had a sitting head coach join the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. We'll keep it just the assistants for now. This is a chance for the fans to get to know you and your journey, and this is something that um, I love about coaches and pro hockey in general is you rarely come across guys who have just a straight, linear path to – hey, I was a fantastic Hall of Fame player, and now I'm a brilliant coach. Rarely do you see that. Yeah. You you encounter a lot of coaches that have gone through long and winding roads or different paths to get to where they are today, and you are no exception there. You're a guy who grinded your way up from the ECHL to the AHL to the NHL. You won a Stanley Cup. Before that, you were undrafted, just a Sasky kid playing in the SJHL. I guess I'm going to come out with the heavy hitting questions right out of the gate. But when you look back on the on the career that you were able to put together, what what does that mean for for maybe who was a young Sheldon Brookbank growing up in uh, Saskatchewan to, yeah. to put, put um, together everything you did? Yeah, sometimes you look back and you're like, geez, wow, did that really happen type yeah. of thing? But, you know, at the time and 
while you're in it, you're like, this is happening. It's not like, it's just kind of like part of who you are and what you're doing. You don't really overthink it, but yeah. then every now and again, you kind of look back and think, geez, I guess I did play there. That was pretty, that was a pretty good league. I was playing in there, <laughs> you know, but you, it was okay. Yeah. You just get so used to it and, uh, um, it just becomes just the norm for you. So, um, but definitely have the odd moments now where I, other people kind of remind you of what you did sort of in your career. So, 16 years pro, I think it was. At any point during that time playing, like you say, you're going through, you're just, it's your day to day, it's part of your life. But did the light bulb go off at any point? Like, yeah, coaching is probably going to be for me whenever I hang up the skates? Um, or did you, you just kind of stumble into it? I kind of, it did once in a while because I was kind of the guy, and I'm sure a lot of coaches tell you this, like, when I'd be training back at the University of Saskatchewan in the summer, we'd do our workouts, then we'd have ice in the afternoon, and we'd go out there and there wouldn't always be someone to run the ice. And then guys would be like, what are we doing? And I'm like, eventually I'm just like, just give me the marker. Here's what we're doing. I'll put together some drills. Yeah. yeah. And then I did that even in, um, when I was with Chicago, if the, uh, the skills coach couldn't make it that day, the strength coach knew that I kind of knew like what was going on. He's like, Hey, do you mind running the practice tomorrow? So I'd be like once or twice a week running the practices. Like, yeah, here I got it. We're going to do this. Like, really? When you yeah. were playing with the Hawks? Yeah. Wow. So it was like something I was like, yeah, I'm, it's definitely in the back burner, but I don't think there's any any player that's going to tell you like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a coach. Oh, yeah, day. no. <laughs> you, you, know? you will never hear a player no. straight up admit it, no matter how many of his teammates say yeah. like this guy's destined for coaching or how yeah. many coaches say like he's got a brain for it. You ask the player, they're always like, never. Nope. nope. Yeah. They're just worried about the next game, next shift, exactly. what, whatever it is. Yeah. So I was the same, but I definitely just uh, fell into the role in the off seat, like in the summers and then. Um, at the end of my career, you're trying to, you know, figure out exactly what you want to do and, um, opportunity came up and I jumped on it. So. Snatched it up. Yep. Snatched it up. You were a coach in Rockford up to Chicago. Now you're here with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins and your arrival here with the black and gold rookie has ushered in, I don't want to say a new era, but it's ushered in an old era, a throwback that I have been reveling in this season. This year, we have seen the return of the bus movie, and you've been a guy who's been, who's been, I, I guess, driving that bus, for lack of a better expression there, to get movies playing on the bus again. We've yeah. been in an era now where everyone has their own iPad or laptop or phone and noise-canceling headphones. Everyone just does their own thing. Mm -hmm. We've lost out on the days where you'd throw on a movie or two during a trip and everyone would be watching the same flick yeah. or something like that. You brought it back this year. Is, are those some of your Thanks. like cherished memories of, you know of going what? through? I just, I'm, I guess I'm an old school, traditional kind of guy. <laughs> I feel like every hockey season should start with slap shot on the bus. That's where you and start. That's where I was like, all right, who's got slap shot? Like, let's go. They're like, no, you can rent it on the, or you can put it on through the HDMI and all that. So I'm like, okay, Fine, I won't go buy it, but like we got to start off a slap shot. Yeah, and so that didn't happen because it didn't work on that first trip. No, yeah. And so once again, then, I'm sure a bunch of the younger guys were looking at you like you had three heads. Like, what oh, are you yeah. talking about? I've, I got to scroll through Twitter and Instagram <laughs> exactly. all trip. Yeah, and I know some guys hadn't even seen slap shot. Our video coach included. What hasn't watched it from start to finish? This Nick. is egregious. That's what I said. He's like, how do you, how do you watch part of slap shot and then be like, oh, I'll watch the rest later. Yeah, Kinda no, like, it sucks you in. I'm like, let's go and finish it. But anyways, yeah, so I also feel like it's kind of like the rookies. That's part of being a rookie. Go to the bargain bin. I don't know. They're hard to find DVDs or whatever. Now we can stream it and everything. But yeah. They brought some DVDs. 
They and did, to their credit, after much urging, yeah. some DVDs did <laughs> yeah. find their way onto the bus. Where they tracked down the DVDs, yeah. I'm not sure. And half of it is we up in the front of the bus don't want to listen to all these guys talking, playing cards, and all they, trip, don't want us to, yeah. they don't want us to hear them either. So I'm yeah. like, let's put on some background noise, have a couple laughs, you know, so. I remember when I first started here, uh, my first year was the 15-16 season, going on bus trips, and Tom Kostopoulos was the captain back then, who was another old school guy, and he made sure, like, hey, rookies, pick up movies, there's a red box, here are the four red box locations by the practice yeah. rink, just pick them up, drop them back off whenever we get back from wherever we're coming from, and then just over time, that faded, like I said, with technology, yeah. everyone having their own stuff that they're worried about and then much to my <laughs> unexpected delight they've made a return and Good. every so often and that's the thing you still have your own stuff yeah so if i'm like busting out some work on my laptop can focus on that but if it's like no i got a free minute or yeah. a free hour free two hours i want to check out pick for my head up watch role models <laughs> yeah, it's like exactly. this rules yeah harold and kumar some I jason agree. statham movies yeah we've been killing it this year <laughs> we've had them all we've yeah. we haven't done slap shot though no which to you is a, a requisite what about bob that was a good one too <laughs> nobody saw that coming how many of these young guys do you think have a actually watched a bill murray movie yeah. to completion and b knew what the heck was going I on i know i think it was john lazat after he'd never seen it he's like great call on the movie whoever picked that one. really yeah. oh i'm glad it won them over <laughs> yeah got somebody because you never you never know how some of those uh older films are going to be received no. a different drier sense of humor exactly it's not the it's not Step Brothers, which you know is an automatic yeah. uh crowd pleaser or something like that with yeah. these guys what about bob one over john Lazat? classic yeah love it <laughs> yeah i love it so the bus movies are back, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins fans, <laughs> and you can thank Sheldon Brookbank for for bringing that along. I'm sure there were uh, many long bus rides uh, during your your early days in pro hockey. I mentioned before that you were an undrafted guy, didn't even play major junior, but had to go from the coast to the A to the NHL. When you were in the American Hockey League, you turned out to be a pretty dang good blue liner too. What you won the Eddie Shore Trophy one mm. year. Yep. Um, at one point in this this battle, if you will, to make it to the NHL? Do you go from having a mindset of, hey, I'm playing pro hockey, going day by day, to thinking like, no, I know I can play in the National Hockey League and I should be in the NHL? Where does that kind of switch flip over the, the stages that you go through? Yeah, um, well, when you're young, you always believe and dream that you're going to play in the NHL as a hockey player. Mm -hmm. You don't always truly believe it in deep in your in your heart kind of thing. And then, um, well, realistically the odds are stacked against you. Yeah. There's, there is a 1% of the 1% that can play professional hockey. And then on top of that, make it to the best league in the world. Yeah. And as, like you say, as much as you believe in yourself, you know that it is the elite of the elite that make it, it all the way to the top. It is. And you start to play with guys, um, you know, whether it's in Cincinnati where I was or, um, Milwaukee who are good players and you see them go up and have some success and you think well geez I could probably survive a game or two up there and mm -hmm. then the big turning point for me was my brother actually made it through he got in there and played some NHL games and I'm like well I'm playing in the NHL now there's that's like that's, that's that that's happening yeah, yeah so, so that was my big uh turning point there kind of those those years there where I saw other guys go up and do well and then my brother like breaking through I'm like Okay, 
I can. I'm not scared of this guy. I'm going. After <laughs> <laughs> if he can do it, yeah. I can do it. Yeah. Um, for those of you listening and don't know, uh, Sheldon's brother Wade Brookbank played for the Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins a, a couple stints here with the the black and gold here in Northeast Pennsylvania. And I remember during your introductory Zoom press conference, we asked, "Hey, you know, have you gotten any tips?" from your brother as to what to do, what to see, how to handle yourself out here in NEPA. And you said one of the main tips that he gave you was just to talk to Dennis Bonvey because he's the mayor around here and he'll know yeah. where to go. Have you uh, exchanged text with Bones at all since you got out here? I have, yeah. And um, he helped me with a few things, get started. And then um, I actually run into him at the games every now and again. Oh, yeah, because he's a scout with Boston. Yeah, so when Providence comes to town, he's always there and he pokes his head in. So we've had some... Some chats here and there, and uh, yeah, he's been good. He's a good fella. How have you enjoyed uh, your time in Northeast Pennsylvania? It's been good. Yeah, it's uh, it's a nice little city, you know. And I think the organizations ran very well, and that that was definitely part of, you know, me coming here. I, after talking to my brother and other people, he's like, it's a good spot. So he enjoyed it, and everything's been good in that sense. It's lived up to the hype that yes. uh, your brother set for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a far cry from Chicago, though. We definitely have our, our gems out here, our places that we love, but Chicago is one of the premier major North American cities, and you got to spend a lot of time there, either as a player or, as we mentioned before, as a coach. Um, what was it like to be a part of those Stanley Cup runs, those great, iconic teams for the Blackhawks franchise in that city where it really seemed like everybody caught Blackhawks fever? Yeah, it definitely, they definitely care about uh, their hockey team there. Um, it was a great experience. You know, I, I came to the Blackhawks, I was age 31, you know, so I was kind of a, a seasoned pro at that point. Yeah. And I, I held myself at a pretty high level as far as, you know, day to day, how to prepare and how to, you know, go about your business each day at the hockey rink. And then when I got to Chicago, I was like, wow, these guys are taking it to the next level here. So um, I really learned a lot from those guys. Just they never took uh, a moment off of anything, those top players in Chicago. And that was something I always uh, remember about them, whether it's just a practice, a pregame skate, the game. It's like everything mattered. Locked in at all times. Locked in all times. You give them a bad pass, they're like, that's not good enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Or if it's it's a not a great pass and they don't hit it as a one-timer, they're mad at themselves. I got to be able to hit that. So they just they strived for perfection the whole time there, and that was a big reason why they had so much success, um, in my opinion. And it was – the city was great. They really uh, laid out the red carpet for us and, you know, the parade and everything like that. So it was uh, – it's still, still good to me, that city. Winning the cup, though. Yeah, I guess the easy question would be like, oh, like, what, what was that like? But we all know that had to be just the greatest experience in the world. So what do you remember specifically about the moment when you got a chance to get your hands on, on Lord Stanley there? Yeah, it's it's a weird feeling. It's almost like a just instant shot of adrenaline goes through you and um, you just feel your blood spike and you're like, you're kind of like, oh man, I can't believe I did this. Like, yeah. I'm here. This is mine. You know, so... Yeah, it's just, it's a weird feeling, and you're just like, don't drop it. <laughs> that's that's yeah. what everybody says. It's like this instant excitement, and yeah. then you're like, do not be yeah. the guy who fumbles the Stanley heavy. Cup. Like, and it's it's awkward yeah. the the weight uh, placement because exactly. you'll, you'll get it up, and then you realize like you you're leaning or, one side. Yeah. yeah, 
No, yeah, you do not do want not to be the guy who it. drops yeah. it. So that's that's what was going through my head. Was <laughs> do not drop it. Don't oh, be it's that just guy. Like, wow, this is amazing. All this work I put in. I'm lifting this thing and man, don't drop this. Thud. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to end up on Sports Center, I don't want it yeah. to be as the guy who dropped it. It would the be Stanley funny Cup. now. But at the <laughs> at time, the time no. I can only imagine just mortified. Yeah. Have we wasn't uh was Ticker on that uh Memorial Cup team where the trophy broke. <laughs> yeah, maybe. In the middle of the celebration or something like that. Yeah, they were trying to hoist it like the Stanley Cup, but it's not one of those trophies. No, yeah, yeah. it has like a base to it yeah. and it just doosh, detached. <laughs> yeah. I think Ticker was on that team. I've never asked him about yeah, it. Yeah, that would be funny. Oh, because yeah. I could, once again, at that point, you're 18 years old or 17 years old, depending on where you are on that team. And yeah. just to, oh, yeah, we're so excited. <laughs> and now we just broke the trophy. Like, yeah. what do we do? What? I think they just skated around with the two halves. <laughs> they had two different, like, yeah. parades on the ice yeah, and things like that. Yeah. Oh, geez. But, uh, mm. no, the Stanley Cup, you you did not drop it. You nope. uh you made sure to to etch your place in hockey's history right there. Chicago Blackhawks history at that too. Sheldon Brookbank with us here on the Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins podcast. We'll be sure to catch up with Gordon Ramsay in a little bit though. But we still have some more things I want to talk to you about here, Brookie. Um, starting with a little recurring segment that we do here on the podcast. This is something that we always do. We've done it for a long, long time now. And what we do is we have the previous episode's guest leave a blind question for the next episode's guest. They do not know who they are asking it to, but we tell them it can be about anything in the world. There is no avenue that we won't go down. And then we leave the book open. Today is a testament to the fact that we do not share who the next guest is going to be. People always say that people get targeted or something like that. No, it is a blind question because today's question was clearly asked without knowing that a coach was going to be sitting across from me uh, here on this episode of the Penguins podcast. So with that lengthy preamble at hand, Brookie, are you ready for me to pop the question? Yes, I am. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Who is the teammate you would least want to be stranded on a desert island with? Now, you're a coach, mm -hmm. so there's a little bit of a twist here. So I'm going to use some uh, editorial discretion until you can answer this one of two ways. You can either sewer one of the players you're coaching and say, this is the player I would least want to be mm -hmm. stranded on a desert island with and why. Or we can reach back through your lengthy pro career and you can pick me a teammate you had in the NHL that you would least want to be stranded on a desert island with. Either way, someone's catching a stray bullet, but it's up to you mm -hmm. where you want to go with this. Yeah, that's a good question. I got, I'm I'm going through all my files up yeah. in my brain right now. <laughs> the files are in the <laughs> yeah. computer. It's not processing. No, um, <laughs> it's got that. Uh, Take your time. That Think about it. That Here. rainbow ball is going. Yes, right now. it's spinning around your beach ball. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of candidates. A lot of candidates for least that you would want to be stranded on a desert island and with. It'd probably be better if it's a guy from the NHL that people have heard of. Yeah. I will. I will draw the rule there. Yeah, you can't. You yeah. can't harken back to your SJHL days. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think about that. <laughs> I'm thinking like you'd think it would be like a goalie or something, because they're so just into being a goalie. It, you know that yeah. maybe they don't really have. They're not survivor really skills. Thinking of survivor. Uh, or they could be someone who's just completely crazy and they're built the one to guy survive I, on I their I'd own. Want to be with? I know that was this guy Kevin Klein. He. Oh, okay. Yeah. He just seemed like a guy like, he could just like. 
run for days. He just would be out there. He'd probably have face paint on and like everything. He'd be just all bought into this and he'd know all these little ins and outs and these little tricks. Um, yeah, that's a tough call. Um, can I come back to it or do I have to answer it right now? I'm digging. Um, I'll, I'll dig. Think, okay, dig dig away. Once we have to go through some teams here. Let's see who we got. You know, there's a guy, Lubomir Vishnovsky, maybe. Okay. He's a good guy. I just don't see him having any survival skills out, yeah. out on the island. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. He's from Slovakia. Um, he seemed like a guy that liked to get other people to do everything for him. Okay. So I don't see him really, like, cracking a coconut open. Yeah, exactly. And, We're the only two people yeah, on this island. I, I need you to go get some firewood, and I'll do this. And, I, you know, I think that would maybe be one. Where yeah. was he? Uh, you play with him in Anaheim? Anaheim. Anaheim. Yeah. Lubomir Visnovsky. Yeah. yeah. That's all I got. That's all you got for me. Yeah. Because I feel like there's a lot of when – you, when you talk about desert island people that you want to survive with, in your head you automatically go through the Rolodex of, like, this guy's smart. They have endurance. Yeah. They're going to be a, a good teammate, if you will, mm-hmm. on the island to, to keep each other alive. Those things are instant. When you think about someone who you don't want to be stuck out there with, I feel like the list is actually way longer of red flags that you yeah. don't want to be with. Because I can think of some big – powerful guys or something like that where you think oh well his strength and his size would be of a huge benefit to us but then think about the amount of resources that would have to go into just keep that guy's going to eat five times as much as me he might even eat you he might even eat me exactly so maybe i don't want the biggest strongest guy because to keep his motor running he's going to eat three times as much as me now we're running short on resources this is true so there's just so many things that you don't want that it's hard to find the perfect person to survive with which is why this is a difficult question that is a hard question yeah, yeah. victor stahlberg was the other guy that popped into my head in I, chicago yeah why is that just seemed like a city guy like it wouldn't be a city guy like wouldn't really know his way around anything kind of a bit of a pretty boy yeah you know, like probably never had to spend time out in the woods i don't know out on the woods, out yeah. on the farms, <laughs> yeah, exactly. the plains, yeah. anything like that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, we mentioned this before that you're a you're a Saskatchewan guy. I don't think we've had many uh, Sasky boys join us here on the podcast. So why don't you really wind the clock back? What was it like uh, growing up in what Lanigan? Is that the Lanigan, Saskatchewan? Yeah. yeah, home of Brian Prop. Remember that name? I don't. He Educate me. Philly Flyer. He played. He was oh, that's why. Pretty well known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess wrong, wrong area for that. But <laughs> he was like our claim to fame growing up. Well, Bobby Bond. Never hear of him. He was the guy he scored an overtime goal for the Leafs with a broken leg. He, yes, he yes. Broke it, he broke it the game before. Game before, played on the broken played leg. The broken leg. Wins the uh, the Stanley Cup on a broken leg. That's Lanigan, Saskatchewan. Right okay. There. So that's there's it. there's yeah. a claim to fame that I can identify yeah. with. No, it was um, small town, so a farming town. Mm-hmm. There's a potash mine and there's a farming town, 1,200 people. There's no traffic lights or anything like that. Um, you got your hockey rink, you got your post office, you got your bar. That's how all. That's how singular, small towns, by the way, singular. Yeah. That's how the towns are there. You have those three things, and then whatever you branch out from them depends on how big your town is. So, you know, there's a strip mall and blah blah blah, and it was a lot of hockey. It was hockey, baseball, school. You know, minus 30. You play outside until your cheeks, you couldn't move your cheeks anymore. Yeah. You couldn't even smile, your icicles and your eyelashes and stuff. And um, yeah, and we just, it was basically hockey in school. And then the summer is baseball and water skiing at the lake. That's kind of. Water skiing at the lake. 
Yeah, there's, we go. it's a bunch of it's a it's farming and then half of it is lakes. Like there's a hundred thousand lakes in this province. It's a big place and yeah. Fishing, water skiing. That was basically what we did in the summer. Um yeah, just, you know, grew up in a pretty simple life. Worked a lot of jobs in, in the farming industry and stuff like that and really uh just kinda teaches you how to work hard and not complain That's, about stuff and it's it's minus 30 it's like we're walking to school so yeah i don't know what to tell you yeah walk, cl- class is still starting walk Let's backwards go. or it's like the school's canceled but it's like it's canceled for the farm kids because the buses can't get out there but the town kids you're going yeah so that's just the way it was so um yeah i think it really teaches you just to be grateful for what you have and stuff like that going up in a town like that work ethic and discipline i'm sure too when you mentioned yep. those many uh farmhand jobs that you had what what were some of the the real down and and gritty uh, Um, chores if you will that you had to take care of the one (laughs) this this one was a a good one so there's a it's a feedlot so it's twenty five thousand head of cattle okay at this place so it's just it's one of the bigger ones in north america it might have been number two actually to be honest right in our town and uh so there's all these cows in these pens and you know there's all all kinds of different jobs. And so I went and asked my, another fellow hockey guy's dad is the president of the thing. I'm like, do you have a job for me? Like I'll do anything. And he's like, well, I got a job for you. You're not going to like it. <laughs> it opens with that. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, but we'll get you, if you get through this, then we'll get you up to something better, you know, type of thing. And so very simple job. So the cows are in the pens. They go in there with these bulldozers and stuff and they're cleaning out the, the, cow. the droppings the cow you know waste <laughs> yes if you will and so they're scooping that out and they're taking it out and as they're doing that they're bringing in new fresh clay to like redo it okay right? and so you can imagine the smell yes and they're like we need you to watch the gate 12 hour shift don't let any cows out just i uh, sit in don't a, let a cow out that was for 12 hours 12 hours a day seven till seven and that's what I started off for like two or three weeks. And I was like, what? And it's just like, eventually they chase some cows out just to give me some action. Just to give you <laughs> some action. They're like, oh, there you go. There's one over like, there. <laughs> like trying to, I don't know if you've ever cornered a cow before. I have not. But when you get them cornered, they they come back for you. And it's, <laughs> it's not easy. So um, that's that was one of them. And I, then I branched up to like the sort of the construction crew. And I got to do more stuff and like. Not just sit and stare at a gate all day and wait for some action. More active behaviors. And try to find a way to fake sleep with my sunglasses on. um, (laughs) And then the other one, I worked at Bee Farm. That was a, that's probably the hardest job I ever had. I did. Really? I worked the oil rigs too one summer, but the Bee Farm still is the hardest job I've ever had because it's, first of all, you're making five bucks an hour. I know that's back in those days, but then that was low. Yeah. And even then. Um, And you only haul the honey on hot days. So it's like, it needs to be like 80 degrees. So it has to be hot. It has to be order- hot. Cause then they're, they stay calm. And anyways, as a 19 year old or whatever kid, a lot of times you're maybe out having a little bit of fun the night, the night before, before. Yeah. at the bar and well, yeah, wherever it was. And, <laughs> um, and then you have to go into work and work these hot days and yeah. get stung by bees and, and lift these like, I don't know, 30, 40 pound boxes of honey all day and stuff like that and not make a ton of money. And when you're, when you're rolling, it's like, you don't take many breaks cause you're getting to a rhythm. It's like, we got to get this stuff out of here. Yeah. So that was a hard job. I got stung in the eyelid, swelled my eye right shut one day. What? Right. Cause then you take it to the extracting room and you get loaded up in these machines, blah, blah, blah. And 
and one came around my hat and stung me right on the eyelid, swelled my eye right shut. And then my, my boss was like, well, can you come in tomorrow? And I'm like, what if I get stung in the other eye? <laughs> I'm not coming. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not coming. I'm not risking being blind for two days. Yeah, like, yeah. Sitting in there. But, I need two eyes to show yeah. up to work. We were so ruthless. We'd sit there. It'd be me and my three good buddies working in this room, and we would just fling bees at each other. Or walk by a guy and just rub it on his neck and it would instantly sting him right on the neck. Oh, yeah, you just, guys were ruthless. Oh, yeah. just <laughs> So that was a hard job, that one, for sure. Were you in the full beekeeper getup, When too? you're out in the field, you're in that full beekeeper getup, yeah. And you got the smoke and you smoke the stuff out and it's a hard, oh, hard yeah. job. I, I appreciate honey, I'll tell you that. Cause those bees, <laughs> you don't waste a drop of honey now. Bees wake, work hard for that stuff, too. So Yes, you know, definitely. Yeah. So you're in the, the full beekeeper get up how did the one get in your eye then no that one was in the extracting room so when you go oh, okay right extracting room, you just wear a t-shirt and jeans and they're a little more like the bees are we you push them down to the bottom side of box and you, yeah you keep them and you leave them in the field but some of them come back so yeah and this, this they're, guy was... they're a little more out of sorts in there they don't know what's going on so yeah if they run into you they just sting you yeah basically they're so. just yeah but yeah that was a Interesting job. And you said, what, you, it had to be certain amount of degrees, so hot, too. So you're in the full get-up on a hot day. And you're grinding out there, yeah. And the quick, you that's why you say, too, the rhythm, but you just want to get out of there. Yeah. Because you want to get into probably some air conditioning, or at the very least, out yeah. of that suit as quickly as you can. picture the bees, chaos, and all that stuff. And we actually ran into a tractor one time with a full load of honey after. I wasn't driving. My other guy was driving. I'm like, I you think you're following him a little too close when I gravel road so it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. dust everywhere he's like no no we're good i know what i'm doing and i was like all right no more than two minutes later big tractor right on the road run right into him bang honey boxes bees no. everywhere cops come they're just they take a look they're like you guys got this under control <laughs> as the bees are going yeah, everywhere. And they're like, all right see you later <laughs> they wanted no part of it anyway. the, the the police don't want anything to do with this no. bee swarm so, I should have got danger pay for that job. I never did. You should have. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, you you could have gone blind for two I days. Think we were but... just high school kids. Now that I look back, it was just a high school summer job. Yeah. So we just were like, we need some money. Let's go. We need some money. Yeah. Five bucks an hour. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. So. You're the first person I've ever met who's done beekeeping. Yeah. That's that's not a very common summer job. Usually you hear people like, yeah, I was a lifeguard at the pool or something, or <laughs> yeah. oh, I waited tables or something like that. I was beekeeping. Mine's like beekeeping, oil rigs, and feedlot. And feedlot. <laughs> yeah. Watch the gates. Watch the gates. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, though. But yeah. like you said, that's, uh, that's the kind of stuff that uh, builds character mm -hmm. and I'm sure uh, provided many a life lesson um, that's then translated into an Incredibly successful professional career. You're now a coach here with, with Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Um, how's everything been going back in the coaches' room? I know we're now months into the season at this point here, but you're the, the new guy coming in. J.D. and Kevin Porter already had a relationship with one another. I know for a long time it was industry standard to only have one head coach, one assistant. Mm -hmm. Most teams added two assistants. We were among one of them. Pandemic threw everything out of sorts, so it was down to just J.D. and Ports. Mm -hmm. And now we're back to running with two assistants here. How's everything been uh, chemistry-wise, if you no, will, back in the great. coach's office? Those guys have been uh, very, very good to me, very uh, welcoming. And, you know, they're two really hardworking guys. So, um, you know, we're always just, uh, you know, focused on the task at hand. And, 
nobody's really dogging it in there unless unless maybe it's me i don't know but <laughs> I, no. I feel i don't feel like anyone's dogging it in there so um you know they've been good and obviously you know the results haven't been exactly how we wanted them and that's that's the real hard part about coaching is yeah. when you don't have success you really take that hard and i know it's not easy on us but we're trying to just keep pushing you know forward we're trying to help uh, these young guys you know achieve their dreams and that's that's a big part of what this is is we want to see these guys live out their dreams is that's that's pretty satisfying as a coach to see a guy go up and get a first nhl game like a jonathan gruden or whoever it may be you know that's something you um i know i do and i know these other guys do feel really proud of and uh really good to see that what about a guy like alex i know this wasn't his nhl debut but his pittsburgh mm -hmm. penguins debut and alex nylander was his first nhl game since he had that uh meniscus surgery to be a part of helping him get back to the nhl level i'm sure that has to have its own oh, uh, certain sweetness to it yeah i mean and i had a relationship with alex in uh chicago, chicago so you know i came in here knowing him already quite well and i think um i could speak for jd and uh kevin um we all really want him to do well he's a good kid and so we're all trying to help him you know play the right way because there's there's holes in his game just like anyone that that we see and so we're, we try to help him with that and it might not just be ports it might not be jd it could be me one day so when he goes up there and he does the right things you feel very proud of that and you watch the games different you're you know you're really rooting for the guy out there you know you see crosby and i like, all right crosby like, come on d lander let's go get that puck in type of thing you it know? really like, does change the yeah. the viewing experience because yeah. i know Back when, you know, let's say I was growing up watching the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, there's a lot of Mario Lemieux, Yarmir Yager, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin mm -hmm. cheering for these guys. And then you have the guys maybe in the bottom of the lineup that are cycling through call-ups from Wilkes-Barre. Does this guy stick? Does he not stick? Whatever. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they just become gray faces or random names. Yep. Now down here, it's the complete opposite. You know 87 and 71 are going to do their thing. You know yep. Chris Letang's playing on the first power play or something like that. But yeah. like you said, whenever that guy jumps on the ice, yeah. now yeah. everyone kind of perks up Let's in their go. seat a little bit more. Like, yeah. what is he going to do? And it'll just hit someone in the boards on the forecheck. It's like, that's it. Get yeah, in there. That's, that's it. Right. it yeah. Completely changes the viewing experience. For sure. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good to see him doing well up there. He's, like I said, he is a great kid. Yeah, he's he's uh, really taken to, I think, a lot of the instruction that mm -hmm. uh, this coaching staff has given him. Even going back to last year when the Penguins acquired him last January of 2022, uh, he came in, like you said, maybe holes in his game. There there are very few, if none, perfect players no. playing here in the American Hockey League level. Mm -hmm. But he was very receptive to what both J.D. and Ports were telling him, instructing him, setting him down, going through tape. And that's another thing that you like to see a guy get that step back up to the NHL, someone who is willing to sit down, open his ears, listen, and put in the work. And I think that's something that can be said about a lot of the players back in our locker room is that there is – uh, no shortage of effort with this Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins team, which I think partially makes it a little bit more frustrating that the results haven't been there lately because game after game, the, the tank is emptied. There's not a lot left uh, left behind in these games, and that I'm sure it gets frustrating as a coach too to see the effort level that you'd want from a player, and it's just for whatever reason not translating. No, it does. It's like you said, these guys are giving it everything they have, and it's, it is tough when you go out there and you – give it everything you have everyone plays you know as close to their their top level as they can and you still come out with a 2-1 loss it's it's hard to go in there and you know like talk to guys and you know for JD to go in and talk to them it's 
it gets tough sometimes, but you have to just keep pushing forward. And eventually these things usually start to turn and they usually start to change with that effort. And it just hasn't gone that way for the last month or so for us. And that's, what's hard, but that's also the lessons you learn as a, as a pro, as a young kid, you know, and what it takes, like, geez, I thought I was giving it everything I had. Maybe I have 5% more, or maybe there's a moment I could have did something better. So it's all part of what you have to go through in sports and pro hockey, um, specifically and you know i think that's there's always something to gain through any situation so i think well these guys are going to learn a lot from this one way or another always something positive to take out of it and speaking to a couple of uh the players back there you know asking them like hey with these efforts that you guys have put forth with all this hard work this blue collar intense style of play you know how difficult is it not to get discouraged when it's not necessarily translating into victories and every guy I've asked almost to a man is like, hey, you know, yeah, it is a little bit difficult. It's playing this way is hard mentally just as much as it is physically. But we know that if we do this and we don't slide back that 5%, instead of giving that extra 5%, mm-hmm. things are going to work out for us. Every guy to a man has pretty much said something in that fashion. Can you remember in your career a time where you were playing on a team or just for whatever reason that you just could not get out of the mud or maybe then you were able to to get out of that mire and, and took off. Yeah. Um, I think I remember having like some tough times in Cincinnati, mighty ducks back in the early days. It was, I think it was a lockout year. So there's a lot of good teams. Yeah. And we didn't have, we weren't a team that had any veterans or anything like that. We we're just a bunch of 23 and under. Yeah. Guys. So I think I remember going through something like that and you don't remember this stuff as much as a player because players are just day to day kind mm-hmm. of thing coaches you remember i bet you my coach would remember exactly the dates exactly the dates we the scores of the games yeah, exactly, the stats <laughs> but i definitely remember having a few where you you just couldn't get a win and just every night you just come and be like another loss and stuff and it got hard but i do remember we dug out of it and we did end up having a decent season in the end so it's a matter of just who can push it farther and longer kind of thing. And like, like you said, too, uh, taking lessons, learning opportunities from this, too, giving that, whether it's an extra 5%, that extra detail, that extra puck decision, that you figure out how to turn things around, and now it's clicked like, hey, this is how I can get out of a tough stretch. This is how we can get out of a tough stretch if it happens down the line, too. It's all yep. all learning opportunities, learning every, every single day. Time. Every time you put the skates on. Every time you put yeah. the skates on, you're going to class. Yeah. you got a chance to learn. Yeah. Chance to learn. Well, it's been great uh, learning from you here, Brookie. I really appreciate you taking the time once again, regaling us with some of these tales, not only from your playing days, but also your beekeeping days <laughs> as well. Um, but before we conclude this episode of the Wilkes-Barre's Granted Penguins podcast, there is one more thing that we have to do, and it is the way that we end every single episode of this podcast. Brookie, it's now time. For Penn's picks. Penn's picks. Brookie, it is at this time in the podcast where I ask my guest to provide some sort of shout out, some sort of plug, some sort of recommendation that you can give our listeners just something that you feel has that either lifts your spirits or has captured your imagination. Something that you just feel deserves a shout out, some credit. Maybe not enough credit is given to this thing person what have you this is another completely wide open scenario here it could be anything anything what is your pen's pick ribos tea 
Explain. It's a red African tea. Whoa. You're you speaking f- my language. You Keep can coming. find it at Wegmans. Really? Yeah. What is it? Like high caffeine content? No, Does it relax you? Like what is it? It's relaxing and it tastes really good. Tastes really good. Yeah. What is it? One more time. Ribos. It's like R-I-O-O-B-O-S. It's like ribos. A red African tea. Yeah. And does it like have a crazy to flavor it. to it? No, it just has a good flavor. I used to drink it when I played just to like get me to just kind of relax and stuff like that. And it just, I don't know. It's like my wife brought it on to the scene. They just drink it every night before bed and stuff like really? that. It's just a nice tea. So it's more of like a, a, a calming, yeah. not necessarily sleepy tea, not but sleeping, like a zen. Just a relaxing, nice equalize. tasting, easy drinking tea. My daughter's oh. five. She, she'll drink some of it with a little milk in there. That's all I could come up with. List, listeners know I'm a big tea guy. Are you? I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a tea over coffee guy. I'm glad I nailed that. I was yeah. a tea over coffee guy my whole life until I became a coach. Until you became a coach then and it I changed. Yeah. I'm like, I can't drink Red Bull for breakfast, so I got to have <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll slide in the Timmy Hose yeah. here. Yeah. Um, but interesting. So the, the Red African tea, and you said you would drink it before a game just to I would drink zen it, out? You were someone I who needed to like- I would drink it in after- Morning skate or after something because I wanted to relax in the afternoon okay. and I wanted to do that. And sometimes I would drink it before games because I was I could get wound up. That's what I was going to ask. Like you were a guy who would get super geeked. I would be wound up like I'm ready to go. So I'm like I need to just like so when I have the puck on my stick, I need to Take be a, a little breath. calm because I'm still going to get fired up when it's time, you know. So I would drink tea. Drink tea. So there you go. So there we go. The ribos red tea. Ribos. Red tea. You can find it at Wegmans. Wegmans. I will be checking I, that out. I know out. that's kind of boring, but that's all. That I don't think it's boring. No. That's that's what I like. I mean, I am old, so. <laughs> tea guy. <laughs> tea guy. Yeah. Tea guy. I like it. <laughs> yeah. um, for my pens pick, I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path as well. I am a huge fan, maybe the number one fan in the entire world. I know that's putting myself really high up there, but the number one fan of elevators that when you push the door close button, the door will actually close. Oh, yeah. That's that true. is my Pence pick, where they build the elevators, <laughs> yeah. and you press the button, and it does exactly when what you want. you're a 10-year-old kid, and you can just hit that thing open-close 100 times on the elevator. Oh, even, <laughs> even that, but sometimes you're just like, you know what? I got to get downstairs. There's I'm no one else here. here. I'm not waiting for anybody. Yeah. I hit my floor. I hit door close, and the door closes. Yeah, I hate the go. ones where you hit door close, Nothing. and you sit there for three seconds, and you're kind of like, well, maybe I need to hit it again. Yeah. And you, you go to reach for it before you even hit it. The doors start to close, yeah. and you're like, "Did that even? Did the button even do anything? Yeah. Am I just impatient?" That's right. No, yeah, I like it that. when you hit it and boom. I thought you were gonna say when you hit the alarm and the bell goes off like at the start of a boxing round. Do you ever do that one? No. <laughs> that was the old joke. The ones. Ding hit, ding. You hit the alarm, it'll go like ding or like ding like that, and then guys just start boxing, uh, box at each and other. Then they hit it, and then the rounds over. Rounds over. That was like the big hockey joke in the elevators all the time. I've never heard that before. Yeah. I might have to. Uh, break. Now it squeals. I think it makes like a more of a. High-pitched alarm noise. Oh, it doesn't actually ring doesn't the bell? Because I've heard the elevator alarms before. If it rings the bell, then that'll – there you go. I'll try Kids, it. don't try that at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Under parental supervision. <laughs> yeah. I'll, uh, I'm, I might try that with Seamus McKelvey, but yeah. I might not let him know what just I'm doing one first. Bunch of me. Yeah, you yeah. Never, don't let him know what you're Don't doing. let him yeah. know. It's just coming. Just flatten him. Oh, yeah. We'll check that out. Well, that uh, we'll, we'll see if the athletic trainer has a black eye on the yeah, bench during exactly. the next road trip here. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we got a busy weekend here for the Wilkes-Barre-Granted Penguins – Second and final three and three of the year. I'm sure you don't miss uh, playing in those, Brookie, although coaching on them creates a lot of uh, late nights as well going over tape. Yeah, it's uh, 
It's a grind, but it's nice when they're over. I'll tell you that. It's nice when they're over, <laughs> and they're even nicer when you got uh, six points in the bag exactly. afterwards, too. So yeah. you guys all know where to find the Penguins. You can watch the rest of their home games at Mohegan Sun Arena at Casey Plaza. Or of course, you can be tuned into me on WIOK News Radio here through this uh, push for the playoffs here. Wilkes-Barre Scranton still in the hunt. Every game so important, so intense here right down to the wire and Sheldon Brookbank is going to be doing his best to help usher the Penguins back to the postseason and he has ushered us a tremendous episode of the Penguins podcast once again Brookie thank you very much for joining us here on the podcast we have to apologize to Gordon Ramsay we ran out of time here but your stories are just too good my man they're too good <laughs> all right Thanks, Hartsey. Go Pens. Go Pens. You heard it right there from the man himself. We will be back in two weeks with a new episode of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. Sheldon, I'll be sure to get a question from you for our next episode's guest. But we got some time until then. And so I will bid you adieu. Thank you all for listening. The Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast is recorded live in front of no studio audience. 